With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's very own episode of the DWZ, that's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own Rookie Rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on the social medias at Salad Galore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L, Galore, and it is great to be here in the midst of rookie season with you all. But as I had mentioned on my previous episode, we are going to be focusing more so on a specific position group and specifically how it will be affecting the upcoming NFL draft and we are looking today at the running back class specifically the 2023 free agency running back class there are quite a large number of names in this free agency class as well as this NFL draft class that when you take note of how many names will most likely be changing places changing uh, specifically where they're working as well as having incoming talent joining them in these backfields, um, things could be very, very different in the dynasty running back landscape going forward. Um, Specifically, this week I will be talking about 16 free agent running backs, their potential landing spots, whether or not I think they're going to be tagged or not, sticking, re-signing, etc., where they're at, um, and the reasoning behind my predictions on those. And then I'm going to kind of play matchmaker. Um, If my predictions were to happen in free agency for these NFL running backs and these teams, uh, what would be the outfall and the inevitable landing spots for some of the larger named prospects in the actual NFL draft landscape? Um, Specifically, I will actually be covering 33 total players, um, 16 that are, sorry, 17 that are in the, um, NFL free agency class and 16 that are in the draft class. Uh, But without further ado, I'm just going to hop right in. Um, This will be starting just full transparency, a couple of segments of this leading up to the NFL draft. Um, I'll be doing a brief hiatus at the following week covering kind of the numbers that mattered to me based off of the NFL combine, which is coming up next week. Um, but for me specifically, I'm not really going to do a preview. Um, I'll post it in the group chats and on social medias just so you can understand my general process of how you don't double count things um, that are testing purposes. You're only looking for outliers or validation on specific things that you are looking at for prospects. So for me, uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, uh, an understanding, I guess, of how I do it specifically, um, looking at how the individual draft classes actually have it split up into five individual categories that I'm kind of slotting everyone into. Um, BMI is the most common issue for me in this year's draft class. I want to see what these people are weighing in as. Um, I don't really care about what their speed is just as straight numbers. I want to relate it to the size. So BMI is typically the biggest thing. Just the weigh-ins is usually what I care more about. 
at this combine than anything. Um, the second category is splits, specifically in 10 and 20 yard splits for running back skill position players, as well as kind of three cone drills. But three cone is typically usually only something I'm really caring about when it comes to larger running backs and larger outside wide receivers. Um, the 40 yard dash, it is important for some players for me, but that is just some players where I legitimately do not think that they may have the long speed necessary to be successful at the NFL. Um, that's one of the categories. There's an interview category where it's either um, character concern players or it is individuals where I want to see if they actually know what the hell they're doing. Um, if I hear reports of someone basically bombing an interview or teams saying that someone was underprepared to actually talk about schemes and whatnot, that's where I'm concerned. And then there's actually four players with an injury history that I want to do checkups on, make sure that um, everything's there. Other than that, I don't really care what the testing numbers are. I don't care about the hype train. I don't typically watch a lot of the end. Uh, the NFL Combine, I just check in the measurables afterwards. But back to what I was talking about, um, I'll be doing that analysis show after the NFL Combine, which is at the beginning of next week. And then um, the following week after that, I'll be diving back in to the wide receiver position in the quarterback carousel um, just before free agency hits in the actual NFL at the second week of March. But without further ado, um, there is a large number of running backs, as I had mentioned in this NFL free agency class, that I think are going to be staying put, and even more so that will be uh, switching positions. And um, there's a large group of people that have been very relevant to the dynasty and NFL landscape for fantasy purposes over the last, you know, half a decade or so. Um, the first name on the list is the biggest, and that is Mr. Saquon Barkley. Um, I pretty much don't think that Saquon is getting out of there. Um, Daniel Jones is playing hardball with the team right now as of reports, and realistically, one of them is going to get signed. The other one is going to get tagged. Um, but with how just how this market is going to shape up. I think Saquon probably knows he's not going to get more somewhere else. He's probably just trying to squeeze as much money out of the Giants as he possibly can because he knows how valuable he is and they know how valuable he is. Um, I have him being tagged and then signed long-term after seeing the market contracts and understanding kind of where he sits. The second running back on the list for me is Mr. Josh Jacobs. Um, this is just a straight tag. Uh, they tried to play hardball with Josh Jacobs. I low-key don't like Josh McDaniels and how he's handled pretty much the entirety of the takeover of this Raiders offense and Raiders team is very reminiscent of his time in Denver. Um, but when I'm looking at this team, there's pretty much no way that they cannot tag him or not sign him long-term, but he earned himself a big old payday. Um, he was without a doubt the best running back in the NFL last year. He proved it, and that was with the team basically hamstringing him and trying to keep him down. Uh, <laughs> I expect a tag and a long-term signing for him. He's probably going to be the highest-paid running back, if I had to guess, in this year's class outside of Barkley, but I don't think Barkley gets a contract done until next year after the tag. The third guy is a guy that is near and dear to my heart, and based off the reports, I I just don't think he's going to end up staying with the Chicago Bears. And if you know anything about the Bears, you know I'm referring to Mr. David Montgomery. Um, Jacob started this class, but there's actually quite a few names in this 2018 and 2019 classes, respectively, that are coming up for new contracts now that I think are going to be switching teams. And Monty's the first one. I have him actually replacing Miles Sanders, someone who is also in that same class as David Montgomery in Philadelphia. Um, I think the scheme fit and just that uh, overall contract is going to be really advantageous for the Philadelphia Eagles compared to some of the other ones. Um I think the Bears want a scheme fit that's a little bit better than what Monty is just because it's almost exclusively wide zone right now and Monty is more of a power and ISO type of back. 
Um, I think he's perennially underrated and on Philadelphia, he could be everything that they were basically hoping Jordan Howard was going to be, but better. Um, so he's a guy that I think that's a perfect landing spot for him. I think he's going to be a lot more valuable in dynasty leagues once he signs with a better team, specifically if he were to sign with Philadelphia. Um, the guy he is replacing, Miles Sanders, I actually have him going on a slightly cheaper contract to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the pairing of a guy like Miles Sanders, whose skill set is more of a one-cut runner, see the hole, hit the hole, um, as well as the new offensive coordinator scheme that is going to be coming into Los Angeles Chargers, as well as you know the potential upheaval of that wide receiver group with Keenan Allen potentially leaving, um, means they're going to be leaning on that run game a little bit more. Um, Austin Eckler has never been a full workhorse back per se, when it comes to carries. And if there's a guy who's in that same mold kind of as an Eckler who has that explosive physical talent and who could play a very similar role while spelling him without actually taking any of the play valuable, um, you know, the valuable play off the field, I think Sanders is the perfect fit for there. Um, next on the docket is Mr. Tony Pollard. He would have been probably the highest paid running back. Um, I think that Dallas probably would have gave him a fat contract um, rather than this talk of him most likely walking in free agency if he had not just broken his leg in the second to last game. Um, but Mr. Tony Pollard, it's it's pretty much a locked and loaded fit for me. Um, I I think he'd be perfect in Miami. Um, there's a lot of talk about Miami bringing in a rookie running back, but they're pretty much fully in their window right now, um, bringing in a player who's on an injury concern, but runs that exact same Shanahan one cut, just fly system that they run down in Miami, I think is perfect fit. Um, the speed, the injury history um, and concern now will probably help out the contract terms a little bit more. They may, may do a little bit more guaranteed money for him with a smaller cap hit number, which would be really advantageous, especially with a team, like I said, in Miami, who's smacked up in the middle of kind of their Super Bowl window right now with all those moves that they've made. Uh, the next man on the list is another guy outside of Pollard, Sanders, and Montgomery and Jacobs, who are all in that class. It's Mr. Devin Singletary. Um, I have Devin Singletary right in his bit on the wall, actually, about this one. Uh, they basically publicly came out and said that he's not going to be back in Buffalo, but I have him actually going to the Denver Broncos. Um, him working as a cheap fill-in replacement in order to ease in Javante Williams, um, who can consistently run an offense. Um, there's one head coach at the NFL who hasn't really been scared away from smaller backs on a regular basis in the draft and in free agency. It would be Sean Payton, and that Denver offense could use just kind of a steady eddy spell back to Javante Williams, uh, because last year it was just up in the air basically the entire season when he went down. And then we go back to Chicago with a running back that I think would be a cheaper option, but an overall scheme fit specifically due to his pass catching abilities that would help Chicago out quite a bit more than what Monty was able to do. And that's Mr. Kareem Hunt. Um, Coming in, he is probably the closest thing in this free agency class that you're going to see to like a Khalil Herbert when it comes to the skill set wise. Um, but he can be a thumper. He can be a very, very, very good pass blocking running back. I think he's actually the best one in this class overall outside of Jerick McKinnon. Um, so bringing in Hunt really just kind of solidifies that scheme fit, gives you a reliable back who's seen his fair share of stuff, who has proven he could be a lead back if necessary, both in Kansas City and in Cleveland, and uh, is going to be cheaper than the young guy David Montgomery will be in order to bring in. Going on to another running back from that same 2019 draft class, you are looking at Mr. Damian Harris. I have him leaving New England, which is all but written on the wall just because they do not pay running backs in New England. And I have him coming in to back up a guy with kind of a sk similar skill set to him in Kenneth Walker in Seattle. Um, 
with that backup of Kenneth Walker, you'd be looking at Walker and Seattle as a one-two tandem. Again, ease some of that workload and be just kind of that hammer running back that Seattle likes to have on top of their speedier pass-catching backs um, to truly help out this offense in a way that they were hoping that Mr. Rashad Penny was going to be able to. Um, speaking of Rashad Penny, I have him replacing the big-named guy up earlier down in Dallas. Uh, if Ezekiel Elliott, if they do not restructure contract, don't get out of him, and they do end up cutting Pollard or allowing him to walk, as I anticipate them to do, um, why not bring in a guy who's slightly larger than Pollard but has the same game-breaking capabilities as a Tony Pollard? Um, Rashad Penny is finally officially healthy again. Um, he Every time he's seen the field, has looked like an absolute gangbuster. Uh, it's just seeing the field, and so he needs to be in more of a complementary role just because at this point I'm not confident that his body can kind of keep up with the expectations in this um, you know, this leak, but, uh, what better situation than to go with a guy like Zeke Elliott, who also now is starting to break down a little bit, have two guys with different skill sets, but the same fundamental cores of pass catching, um, the overall explosion and their run blocking and pass blocking. Both of them allows for a lot of flexibility in and out of lineups from different positions. I think it would be a perfect fit that one, two combo then in Dallas, um, and a cheaper option for Dallas to bring in a running back like that rather than paying big money for a Tony Pollard. Um, going to what I think is probably one of the most underrated signings that I would do. Um, I would love Kansas City to be able to retain him, but Jarek McKinnon is a free agent this year. He was, without a doubt, really the best running back overall over the last two years. Extremely productive in that Kansas City offense as a toolsy weapon. Um, but when I look at the teams and the play style that they're attempting to get out of their running backs. Few teams fit better for Mr. Jarek McKinnon and who have the cap space to kind of pay him better <clears throat> than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he comes in day one as the backup to Travis Etienne, plays in the exact same play style. And can you imagine just the explosive nature out of the backfield that you could get in Jacksonville by having Travis Etienne and Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield at the exact same time? in and out of those pass catching capabilities from the slot. It would just be extremely dynamic and give even more of a safety blanket for a Trevor Lawrence. And it's just a fit that makes a lot of sense in free agency because the Kansas City Chiefs are just a little bit more strapped, capped, um, strapped for cap space than the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Going on to everyone's favorite hero for the last couple of years uh, when it comes to value, uh, James Robinson uh, is getting his way out of New York Jets. He's finally a free agent for the first time in his career. He's no longer going to be getting this middling, terrible, terrible contract, most likely. And you're going to see him, what I have him at least, replacing Kareem Hunt in Cleveland, a guy that plays pretty similar to Hunt, just at a slightly less level. Not the absolute most explosive person on the market, but he's cheap. It'll be a choice for a team that likes to run the ball. He'll have a secure role as a kind of a 1B to a Nick Chubb that we've seen them use repeatedly <coughs> in that Cleveland offense. And I think there's the fit makes a little bit too much sense. Moving on to a guy who's actually going to be reuniting with a former um, you know, coordinator of his, and that is Donta Foreman down in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, yes, I know they have Tyler Algier. Uh, yes, I understand that Cordero Patterson is technically still on the roster, but his overall contract is most likely going to get him cut. He's old and was a little bit ineffective down the stretch. And so then you're looking at Atlanta now with two running backs in a similar range, in a similar role, running that extremely physical play style to where if one of them goes down or one of them wins out, um, you basically have a 1A and 1B running the exact same style. Um, I have another fit for them in the draft, but I will talk about that a little bit later. I just thought that that 
pairing with him and Arthur Smith just made a little bit too much more sense, especially with pretty much every other running back in that backfield outside of Tyler Algier, now up for free agency or just outright being cut. The next running back on the list is Mr. Jamal Williams out of Detroit. Um, Detroit has publicly come out and said that he will not be back next year. Um, Wildly shocking for a guy that put up almost 20 rushing touchdowns last year. Um, But Jamal Williams feels like a Los Angeles Ram to me. Um, A guy that comes in and immediately slides in to that backfield with the Cam Akers, um, plays in a very similar similar play style to a K makers and ultimately can just be extremely productive when nothing else is going right on an offense, which I feel like is what they ask their running backs to do more so often than not. They don't need to be game breakers after that Todd Gurley mold. They're just looking for guys that can get the dirty yards when they actually commit to running the ball. <clears throat> One of the guys staying exactly where he was is Samaji Purine. And the reason that I think Samaj P. Ryan is staying where he is is because I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are actually going to let Joe Mixon walk. They're going to cut him and use that cap saving time. Um, Samaj P. Ryan was used heavily down the stretch, was more effective than Joe Mixon was down the stretch in the Cincinnati offense. And just for some reason underneath Taylor, <clears throat> there's not a lot of hope for Joe Mixon. So unless a restructure comes, which what we understand from Joe Mixon's basically career arc and the actual arguments that he was making during the signing process we don't see happening and the current and recent slash past issues on and off the field for Joe Mixon I think it's just an easy cut with Samaj P. Ryan staying there he kind of earned himself just a cheaper contract um, he could be a teacher for a rookie coming into this Cincinnati team which I have a rookie filling that Joe Mixon hole now um, but because P. Ryan is staying I actually have Joe Mixon replacing Devonta Foreman in Carolina. Um, they let go of their guy, Christian McCaffrey, and they bring in a guy who has probably the most similar complete skill set to Christian McCaffrey in this draft class in Joe Mixon. It's going to be a slightly cheaper um, draft, you know, <clears throat> not draft, a slightly cheaper running back um, contract than what uh, people will probably expect, but it's a team that's on the up and up and they can basically commit to running the ball with him in and out every single week. Um, I just think it makes a lot of sense. And then two of the smaller names that I think are going to find themselves as good backup roles with potentials to be starter at some point this season are Dearness Johnson out of Cleveland and Alexander Madison out of Minnesota. Um, I could see both of them easily re-signing with their current clubs on very cheap contracts, but I think both of them are looking to finally get out and just see what they can do when they're not like the third fiddle on the team. Um, For Dearness Johnson, I actually have him going to Arizona to back up James Conner in that offense and give them just kind of a one-two extremely violent physical running style to lean on. It'll be a shorter contract, a cheaper one, might be a one-year prove-it deal even for Dearness Johnson to come in there, but this team is basically looking nowhere but up and towards the 24 NFL draft. Um, So bringing in a guy like Dearness Johnson who could just tote the rock 200 times with James Conner also getting 200 carries next year and tow to a very meager offense with Kyler not in it. I think that's the perfect type of signing that you can anticipate in Arizona. And then for Alexander Madison, I don't think there's a better position and a better fit really for the potential use of him next year than the New Orleans Saints. Um, I have him go to the Saints to back up Kamara 
you have a guy with a very complete skill set in Madison does pretty much everything right. A very good blocker and has proven time in and time again that when he has to step into the fold, he's very capable of being a great running back if he's given the touches. Um, New Orleans is currently up in the air right now with Alvin Kamara's situation. Um, the indictment, the most <laughs> most realistic case is that he's either going to see jail time or he's going to get suspended for a decent chunk of time basically for you know, basically just kicking the shit out of a random guy. So um, a guy that can come in on the extremely cheap contract, but it's proven that it can be a good running back into that Saints offense who likes to rely on those versatile running backs is much better than anything else that they currently have on the team outside of Kamara. I just think it makes too much sense for Madison to go anywhere else other than returning to Minnesota. <clears throat> but that is all of the free agent landing spots. Um, in total, as a reminder, I had one, two, three, four, five backs returning to their actual teams, and then everyone else out of that pool of 17, so 12 backs switching teams. Uh, it, it'll be pretty crazy, but the way that I'm going to break down those teams once we get post-draft, I think you're going to like what I've done. <clears throat> but moving on to the NFL draft, with these holes in these positional fixes, um, some holes opened up in the actual, you know, normal starting roster teams. There are some holes in the NFL draft, and so I think you're going to see some of these running backs falling into some fun places. I'll start off with probably the most divisive one and the most fun one that I think um, that happens just due to a uneasiness and unsure of most NFL teams of where Mr. B. John Robinson is going to go. And then looking at a team that has kind of the luxury and ability to pull the trigger on him where he should probably not last to. And that's the Detroit Lions. I have them bringing in B. John Robinson to compliment with DeAndre Swift at pick number 18. The value they would get on a guy like that with their second overall pick hopefully already fixing their secondary with a cornerback or safety addition with their first overall pick. And then being able to spin around right again at the beginning of the second round and draft yet another player on the secondary or defensive side of the ball allows them to just fully lean into this short game RPO offense that they want to with <clears throat> Bijan Robinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and then absolutely take off the top of defenses with their play action throws next year to Jamison Williams. Um, I think bringing a guy like Bijan would make the Detroit Lions a really big contender in the NFC North for the next two to three years. Um, the second running back, <clears throat> this is more of a, uh, a fit in an archetype fit as well as, uh, this is my, this is why we can't have nice things pick because there's always one guy that I absolutely love in a class that ends up falling in a position that I just absolutely hate. And I just have a feeling it's going to be my boy, Sean Tucker. Um, I have Sean Tucker going to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, if there is one team that is in need of depth at the running back position and has a very specific mold <clears throat> for their running backs that they typically try to fit, it is the Baltimore Ravens. And they try to typically grab the slightly smaller height backs that are right around 200 to 210 pounds that are extremely physical, but have speed for days. We saw it with Justice Hill. We saw it with J.K. Dobbins, and bringing in Tucker fits that mold again. It alleviates the questions about J.K. Dobbins' knee, his weird gait that he's been dealing with recently, and they get a value on Tucker at the end of the second, sorry, not the end of the second, the beginning of the third round <clears throat> with a pick that 
I think Baltimore would love to have. <clears throat> going to another hole that was opened up, we have a man, Zach Charbonnet, and no, it's not going to the Bears. No, it's not going to the Chiefs. He is going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, as I said, the Cincinnati Bengals are bringing on Samaj Pirine for a cheap backup contract slash opportunity to start, but I have a feeling that Zach Charbonnet would be exactly the type of back that could be good in this offense. Extremely good pass blocker, extremely good pass catcher, <clears throat> and very, very good between the tackles very physical and the type of grinded out back that really they don't have right now in Cincinnati to gain those extra yards up the middle I think that would be a perfect fit for Zach Charbonnet <clears throat> going on to the next back in the class I have a guy that I think would make a little bit too much sense not to pair up with his college quarterback and that is Mr. Jameer Gibbs um, I think that the Houston Texans are going to draft both Jameer Gibbs and Bryce Young in this NFL draft. <clears throat> Being able to pair up a young core with two guys that have worked together, that were ele uh, basically electric together, now in Houston gives you familiarity. He is very comfortable then, Bryce Young, in that situation with the guy that he's handing off to, the routes that that guy is going to be running, and just the overall feel in the pocket, which is usually one of the hardest things to pick up on for a running back, um, not a running back, for a quarterback that's young. But Jameer Gibbs goes in there, plays a role from day one, um, comes in as both a offensive weapon in the slot and as a pass catching back, which people laud him for, as well as being able to be paired up with Damian Pierce, who is much thicker, a much more physical and bruising back to take some of that punishment away from Gibbs. That is the concern for me when you look at his overall workload or lack thereof in the actual rush game for <clears throat> the Alabama native. So I think that would be a fun little pairing in Houston. Uh, one running back I do have the Chicago Bears bringing in is a guy that I think fits the mold and fits what this Getsy offense wants to do quite well. And even with the addition of Hunt, I think bringing in a guy like Kendra Miller to the Chicago Bears, um, a guy who's still not really being talked about a bunch. Um, there's a lot of running backs that are being ranked higher than him. Um, <clears throat> but him coming in as that versatile one-cut runner, the physical runner, kind of the boom to the uh, the, the thunder, I'm sorry, the thunder to the lightning of the Herbert and Miller combo with just an overall versatile back in Kareem Hunt. This Chicago offense would be looking a lot more stable at the running back position after letting go a guy like David Montgomery, and they'd be getting a, quite a cheap value for a guy like Kendra Miller, who probably isn't going to go before the third round for the Bears. Um, going next is a guy who I think just replaces Damian Harrison with another Damian Harrison, and that's Tank Bigsby to New England. <clears throat> they have proven time and time again that they have no problem uh, taking multiple running backs in a year, multiple running backs back-to-back -back years, and they like to fill particular needs in their offense. And Take Bigsby runs pretty much identical to how Damian Harris runs. Very similar play style. Bigsby most likely is not going to be a top five back drafted in this year's draft. And so <clears throat> he just screams value for a team who usually doesn't pass up much value at the running back position. Going on next, um, it is Miami Dolphins up yet again with a selection, but this time in the NFL draft. Um, this is kind of an insurance policy slash hedging their bet on the running back performance of Tony Pollard and the health of Tony Pollard next year and taking a guy that I comp quite a bit to Tony Pollard in Israela Abnikanda out of the University of Pitt. Um, I think he comes in immediately as a scheme fit, one cut runner, very similar. Um, I think that he, in order for him to see, succeed truthfully at the next level, he needs to go to a Shanahan-esque uh, you know, offense. But <clears throat> I just think it's 
too smart of a pick not to kind of double down and make sure that you're getting a running back that can run the scheme. Uh, if they wanted to bring back a guy like Mostert, that's kind of what I have them doing on a cheap contract. Again, you have a veteran who knows the offense, an explosive guy who's proven his ability in the NFL and Tony Pollard to actually work in this type of system and a young guy who you're optimistic could play the role again if needed to down the road. Going on to the next is another guy where I think it's the prototype is what is going to allure them to here, especially if they're unable to sign long-term and are stuck on the tag like I anticipate them to be with the New York Giants selecting Tajay Spears out of the University of Tulane. Um, There are some double dips. There are some not-so-fun overall landing spots for some of these running backs, like I said, people, and that's part of the reason that either these free agent running backs or these draft running backs are most likely going to get screwed out of a true workhorse role most uh, most often times this year in this offseason. Um, but Tajay Spears can do pretty much everything. Uh, very good pass catcher, very good pass blocker, electric, speed for days, explosive long runs for days, and that's pretty much exactly what you're getting from a Saquon Barkley. Um, not quite as physical as Saquon, but the speed and the need for a long-term running back solution if they're unable to lock up Saquon Barkley makes Tajay Spears in this situation very nice. <clears throat> Going on to one of my favorite running backs in this year's class is a guy that I don't really know what to do with, but because I don't know what to do with him, um, the best place landing spot for him, as well as people that would know him better than probably anyone else, would be the Kansas City Chiefs selecting Deuce Vaughn in one of the middle rounds. Uh, they've shown time and time again, the entire time underneath Andy Reid, that they are not afraid to take flyers on toolsy players, specifically undersized toolsy players. They did it with Meikle. They did it with Tyreek. They did it with um, D'Anthony Thomas early on in the Reed um, career. They did it with, oh, let's see, uh, Niles Davis was larger, but Spencer Ware they did it with. Uh, they brought in Damian Williams. There's just a lot of you know track record of them dealing with smaller prospects. And them, most likely in this scenario, getting rid of a Jarek McKinnon due to contract needs, bringing in a cheap guy like Deuce Vaughn who does everything that Jarek McKinnon does perfectly as well as proximity role of being right down the road from the Chiefs, might just be a little bit too much for them to pass up on, especially when he falls in the draft inevitably due to size. The other small running back is a guy that I have, once again, filling a need of a similar player that used to be on a team, and that is uh, Mr. Devon A. Chain going to the Dallas Cowboys. I have the Dallas Cowboys then having Ezekiel Elliott, a prove-it deal with Rashad Penny, and Devon Aitin, um, to get that explosive nature and kind of ease the burden of letting go of a Tony Pollard while keeping the youth and the upside still there squarely in that running back group that Dallas likes to run their offense through. <clears throat> the next player is a guy that I think is, once again, an insurance policy on a big name back that landed in a new spot in free agency, which is kind of my similar theme, if you've noticed, on this overall landing spot in um, carousel, if you will, and that is Mr. Zach Evans. Um, he is the enigma of the class. Um, he has a lot of upside, but a lot of question marks in general, and where better to stick him than a team that just brought in a running back with a lot of questions and a lot of upside in Joe Mixon with the Carolina Panthers now selecting Zach Evans to fit that RB2 role. Chubba Hubbard is just is not the situation. They could try to maintain a guy like Devonta Foreman and then draft an even higher rated running back if they chose to do that. But I thought that this pairing was pretty nice to do there. 
<clears throat> going on next to a team that I would actually love for Bijan to go. I actually mentioned it in the Patreon the other day, but um, Mohamed Ibrahim goes to Tennessee to back up and spell Derrick Henry in a very similar style and inevitably, in my prediction, take over for him in next year's class being the lead back for the Tennessee Titans with a young core of studs. Um, Ibrahim is just a performer, a grinder, a fast dude as well, and very thick and versatile. Um, would be a perfect fit in that <coughs> Vrabel run, you know, run first, play action pass type of offense. And he's going to be extremely cheap if he even gets drafted. Um, the next guy that is coming in and filling a need is also a double dip from free agency, and that is... That's right, the landing spot for Devonta Foreman, the Atlanta Falcons with Arthur Smith. Um, you are bringing in Kenny McIntosh to Georgia. Um, proximity right down the road, going to University of Georgia. Um, he's basically kind of a clone of what they would have wanted to use Cordero Patterson for over the last couple of years, <clears throat> and his hands are amazing. I think it'd be a great fit and a good complement to the two backs that they would already have based off of this situation. Um, going to a just kind of a depth guy more so than anything on these last couple of people, but um, Chris Rodriguez out of the University of Kentucky. I have him actually going as a complete back and a complete backup to Indianapolis. Um, he kind of fits that mold of a guy like a Zach Moss, except he's a much better pass catcher than Zach Moss was, <clears throat> and he fills the role of if Taylor goes down, the offense is probably going to shut down anyways, but it is a big bruising back who is good at pass protecting that can kind of keep the offense afloat if necessary, and like I said, just overall, very big producer, very good potential as an overall NFL back. He just isn't going to wow anyone with the actual metrics. So I think he's going to be a good safety blanket for a team like Indianapolis. <clears throat> going in for a third string running back. Um, this one is exclusively due to need and the upside potential. And that is Eric Gray falling into the New Orleans Saints lap. If this were to happen, again, this is the assumption that there is most likely something coming with the Kamara suspension, um, bringing in Alexander Madison on a cheap prove-it deal to New Orleans, as well as Eric Gray to kind of spell him in the absence of Kamara or eventually take over for Kamara, who is approaching that 28-year-old mark would be a very smart and under-the-radar type of move for the Saints to do. Um, they are not afraid to bring in running backs on a regular basis, and I think they're pretty much done with playing that veteran carousel that they do every year of bringing in four to five running backs trying to find a guy when injuries strike. <clears throat> After Eric Gray, we go to Mr. Dwayne McBride, who comes in to replace Alexander Madison in Minnesota. It's a depth addition more than anything. He's an average skill set going to replace a guy, once again, with an average skill set in Alexander Madison. And schemes pretty much identical from the Eastern Kentucky product in Dwayne McBride to Minnesota. <clears throat> the last two prospects are two guys that I like quite a bit, and they would fit to basically give these two last AFC teams what they are currently lacking from their depth charts. That is Xavier Valade out of the University of, uh, sorry, no, Arizona State University, um, falling onto the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's basically the missing archetype that they have in that backfield. Um, with how their current setup is, they have Jalen Warren, who's the smaller back, but a physical back grinder. They have a well-oiled all-around back in Najee Harris as well, but they don't have like a burner or a speed back currently on the roster. And I think Valade would be that piece both in the pass game and the slot game and as a straight line runner that could really give some juice to this offense who is desperately asking for it. <clears throat> and then the last guy is the hammer of the class in Tavian Thomas, uh, Tavian Thomas out of Utah. Um, the value you're going to get on him just due to the size is going to be great. He's probably the best blocker in the entire class. 
and you're bringing him into the Buffalo Bills to be that true grinded out piece, that goal line back to really alleviate some of that concern that we have for Josh Allen's long-term health and fully round out this backfield now that they would have the likes of Naheem Hines and James Cook, who are more pass-catching toolsy guys, but Tavion Thomas is a hammer to replace Zach Thomas. <clears throat> Sorry, Zach Moss, if necessary. Um, but yeah, so that is basically the entire free agent and draft class. I just want to go and kind of go through the teams real quick, all 32, quick little rundown of what their outlook would be if the situation were to go. And there's really not a lot of question marks that I would have with a lot of backfields if things were to fall this way. In alphabetical order, the Arizona Cardinals would then have James Conner to be backed up by Dearness Johnson, the signing from Cleveland with Keontae Ingram there. You have three similar skill set guys, not the most explosive backfield, <clears throat> but Arizona's outlook in 2023 is that of a grinded out team while they're missing Kyler Murray. They just kind of want to stay afloat. They're not going to burn a lot of money. So they're a team that I could see bringing in a cheaper back like Dearness Johnson and fitting into that offense nicely due to the violent running style. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons would then have Tyler Algier, Donta Foreman, and Kenny McIntosh bringing in Foreman from Carolina on kind of not a prove-it deal, but just kind of a nice 1B type of contract or 1A because they have the money to pay him. And then drafting Kenny McIntosh as a receiving complement to Cordero Patterson, that short game, and kind of rounding out that offense. <clears throat> After that, I would be looking at the Baltimore Ravens. They would be drafting my guy and killing his value for me in Sean Tucker out of Syracuse um, to pair up with J.K. Dobbins as their RB1 and Justice Hill still on the team. Those would be the only three running backs on the team, letting Gus the Bus Edwards go. <clears throat> the Buffalo Bills would then be rocking Tavion Thomas, um, Naheen Hines, and James Cook as the running back core. Um, just kind of a complement of a full wheelhouse of backs to use in any situation for the Buffalo Bills, allowing them the flexibility in certain situations. Carolina Panthers, I have replacing <coughs> Donta Foreman and their previous CMC with a new stud back that hit free agency in Joe Mixon, as well as drafting a Zach Evans. Um, most likely the Mixon deal, like I said, is going to be a little bit of a steal if he does get cut, um, he's still going to be getting paid from the Cincinnati Bengals, so he's going to be able to be making just as much money as he would have by taking a cheaper contract. Um, you ha then have Zach Evans. Sorry, uh, not yeah, Zach Evans uh, <laughs> to pick up the pieces and kind of play in a similar role, and then Chiba Hubbard for, you know, last case scenario depth plays um the chicago bears you have khalil herbert kareem hunt and kendra miller um they I get the k squad i guess is what we'll call them um but they all fit the same archetype it would be that full transition into the getsy scheme which i think is inevitable the Cincinnati Bengals then would have Samaj P. Ryan as kind of a 1B to Zach Charbonnet coming in to be their complete back on the cheap, as well as another Zach Evans as to round out that running back group from a couple years ago in Mizzou. The Cleveland Browns then would be liking uh, rocking basically two younger backs <clears throat> from their last two classes, um, most predominantly Jerome Ford, as well as James Robinson in free agency and Nick Chubb to really grind it out when needed. And then the Dallas Cowboys would be rocking a completely new, um, basically running back stall with uh, restructured Zeke Elliott with the explosive additions of Rashad Penny and Devin A. Chain after letting Tony Pollard go. The Denver Broncos would be rocking Javante Williams coming off a pretty serious knee injury. So they're bringing in a guy like a <clears throat> Singletary to truly kind of like slip into that role and be efficient when necessary um, and really just kind of help out that offense quite a bit. 
The Detroit Lions would then have Bijan Robinson stepping in day one as the RB1 to complement with a pass catching back and a slot receiver in DeAndre Swift. Um, <clears throat> I just love this one too much. It would be Bijan Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jamison Williams just torching people <laughs> all over the field and probably the most complete offensive team when it comes to versatility, as well as being one of the most physical teams on defense is probably the best thing you could ask for an NFC North team. And that's what the Detroit Lions would be at that point. Uh, The Green Bay Packers would just be basically status quo with Kylan Hill, AJ Dillon, and the restructuring of Aaron Jones that they just recently did. So they're standing pat with a solid RB group. The Houston Texans would have a revamped group with a lot of pop to it and Damian Pierce going into his second year as a physical bruiser and then bringing in Jameer Gibbs to pair up with who I assume is going to be their QB1 going into the next season in Bryce Young as a one-two pairing in um, just kind of that RB and uh, quarterback core with most likely a big-name free agent wide receiver or a big-named draft wide receiver coming in at number 12 for the Texans as well. <clears throat> The Indianapolis Colts would be keeping status quo with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor while bringing in a reserve slash backup piece and full rounded running back in Chris Rodriguez out of the University of Kentucky. The Jacksonville Jaguars would be keeping Snoop Connor as their true grinded out guy, but then bringing in Jarek McKinnon to pair up with Travis Etienne as one of the most explosive and quick twitched up <clears throat> backfields in the NFL. While the Kansas City Chiefs replaced Jarek McKinnon with the drafting of Deuce Vaughn to pair up with their other kind of peanut-sized backfield of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then Pacheco as the true hammer and long-speed runner. The Los Angeles Chargers would be rocking a renewed backfield of Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders signing from the Philadelphia Eagles who replace him with David Montgomery to pair up with... um, Kenny Gaywell and Boston Scott. And then you would be looking at the Rams going into the season with two Williams in Kyron Williams and Jamal Williams signing for the Detroit Lions, as well as Cam Akers on a revenge tour. The Las Vegas Raiders would be franchise tagging and re-signing Josh Jacobs, most likely to pair up with Zamir White as a one-two that doesn't need any retooling based off of how that offense was cooking last year with the run game. And then you have a completely new backfield in Miami, spearheaded by Tony Pollard coming off of the broken leg, a uh, Raheem Mostert coming to pair up and kind of spell himself in this offense, which is all you really need to do in this Shanahan type scheme. And then bringing in Israel Abnaconda to truly fill that role if necessary down the road. And if the Pollard injury is more serious than anticipated. The Minnesota Vikings keep Dalvin Cook for one more year due to the contract necessity, but they bring in a Dwayne McBride to kind of spell and fill the Alexander Madison role, <clears throat> and then keep Kenny Nguangu as the sleeping mini-me giant kind of the backfield with the explosive punch to truly take the top off of any defense at any point. The New England Patriots will be replacing Damian Harris, who jetsoned over to the Seattle Seahawks with their very own big boy in Tank Bigsby out of Auburn to pair up with Ramondre Stevenson and Pierre Strong from last year. The Saints, sorry, my voice is starting to go, guys. Uh, The Saints would then have Alvin Kamara potentially healthy and not suspended all season with a backup in a kind of a spell back in Alexander Madison, as I mentioned, coming over from Minnesota, as well as drafting Eric Gray as kind of that pop potential piece <clears throat> that most teams like to grab late. The, uh, the New York Giants tagged Saquon Barkley and keep him at least for one more season, but to kind of alleviate the concerns of him leaving, they bring in a guy like Tajay Spear, who has a lot of hype and a lot of athleticism to pair up with Barkley and <clears throat> potentially get some work later on in the season. 
And then they keep Josh Corbin out of Florida State from last year as a true just bully back. The New York Jets are rocking the exact same core as last year as Brees Hall coming off of the knee injury. All reports are that he's doing well. Michael Carter was able to spell as long as he's healthy. And Zonovan Knight proved his ability to stay healthy and actually support that team as a whole with his running and pass catching ability if it comes down to him. <clears throat> the Philadelphia Eagles, as mentioned, now have David Montgomery, Gainwell, and Boston Scott, and the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted ex Valade out of Arizona State University to pair up with Damian, uh, not Damian Harris, sorry, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. The San Francisco 49ers stay pretty much paid, uh, you know, plain vanilla, the exact same status quo as last year with Christian McCaffrey on his massive contract, Elijah Mitchell in the last year of his contract actually under the radar, and uh, Frank Mason as a RB3 and toolsy pass catcher. Um, as I mentioned, the Seattle Seahawks now have Kenneth Walker and Damian Harris with DJ Dallas, who I still think is a better back than he gets credit for as a pass catcher in the backfield. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are staying status quo based off of how many they've drafted and just the contracts that they currently have in Leonard Fournette. <clears throat> um, why am I blanking on his name? White out of Arizona State from last year. And then um, Vaughn. Uh, from two years ago. So yeah, their core is pretty much the exact same. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are bringing in Mohamed Ibrahim to pair with Hassan Haskins and Henry to make probably the most physical, daunting running back core you'll ever see, and two guys that have very easy potential to replace Henry next year if they don't draft one. And then Washington, Commanders say status quo with uh, Gibby as the lead back with Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick rounding out the core. Whew, okay, voice is officially gone, but we smoked through that. As you can see, there's not a lot of teams after this type of transition and after this offseason that I anticipate having a large need at the running back position. Unfortunately for fantasy goers, there is a large chance that there's going to be a lot of double dipping and some uh, bet hedging, basically, just based off of price and contract purposes. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money spent at the running back position this offseason, um, but that doesn't mean that these guys are not going to be relevant. I just think we're going to see a lot of 1A, 1B situations like a Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard has been over the last couple of years, as opposed to a true Christian McCaffrey type of situation or even Saquon last year. Um, <clears throat> Saquon make not get the money and may get tagged, but if he does get tagged and doesn't sign a long contract, I'd anticipate maybe even someone better than a uh, <laughs> Ty J Spears coming into this offense. But that has been the RB carousel. We're doing this exact same as shenanigans again with the past um, catching cores and the past throwing cores in the wide receiver and quarterback positions coming up. But again, uh, the next time you hear my voice after this episode, I will be doing a quick analysis of the numbers that either doomed or uh, helped out some prospects at the NFL Combine. It's been a pleasure, folks. And until next time, have a great week. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.